Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Welcome to Revive the Drive. My name is Daniel Bennett, and I'm joined by pastors Art Georges and Rich Burkle, and we are talking about ministry in the local church, and in our session today, we're talking about the call to full-time vocational ministry. How does a person know when they've been called to be a part of gospel work on a full-time basis? Uh, There's a great book that I'm sure both of you guys are familiar with. I think, Rich, in fact, you and I read through parts of it together when I was on staff called Lectures to My Students by Charles Spurgeon. And he tells this story of a young man who comes to his school and says that he wants to be considered for application. And and Spurgeon says, well, you know, we're, we're, we're full right now. And Spurgeon writes that he replied, but mine is a very remarkable case. Sir, you have probably never received such an application as mine before. And so he talks about how the man comes, fills out the application and comes back. And, and uh, Spurgeon says, he talks about how great he was. He, he himself talks about his own greatness. He says, as to his preaching, he could produce the highest testimonials, but hardly thought they would be needed as a personal interview would convince me of his ability at once. His surprise was great when I said, sir, I'm obliged to tell you that I cannot receive you. Why not, sir? I will tell you plainly. You are so dreadfully clever that I could not insult you by receiving you into our college where we have none but rather ordinary men. The president, tutors, and students are all men of moderate attainments, and you would have to condescend too much in coming to us. He looked at me very severely and said with dignity, Do you mean to say that because I have an unusual genius and have produced in myself a gigantic mind such as is rarely seen, I am refused admittance into your college? <laughs> yes, Spurgeon says, I replied as calmly as I could, considering the overpowering awe which his genius inspired for that very reason. <laughs> so I, I think Spurgeon in that chapter does, does a great job talking about uh, the, the call to ministry and how you know whether or not you have been called to vocational ministry. And it's, it's not, it's certainly not about your own assessment of your abilities. It's not even the abilities themselves. There's, there's a lot to discerning a call to ministry. And I think in all of our churches, we would say there are people who have, who have thought about that, who have wondered, boy, I'm enjoying ministry. I have joy in this. And how do I know if I should devote my life to this in a full-time vocational way? And I think this episode and our next one could be really helpful in helping people like that. What are some things that you guys would tell people who are considering a call to ministry? You know, the story you just told uh, about Spurgeon and that uh, young student, it sounds a little bit outlandish, you know, that a person <laughs> would have so little self-awareness uh, that they couldn't connect those kinds of words with the uh, with the uh, opposite virtue of, of humility that, <laughs> that's lacking there. But, you know, really, I think that kind of heart is more common than, than what uh, we, may, uh, we, we may be aware of. It's, it's uh, often not stated as clearly or as uh, uh, precisely as that student did. But 
Um, I find many people think, well, I know I'm called to ministry. That's a that's a uh, absolute given. And how do I know? Because God told me. And I don't need, you know, just like this student, I don't need any external confirmation. I have me and God that told me that I am I am uh, um, set aside for this work. And mm. and I think the danger is is that we believe with too great a certainty that we know the mind and heart of God. Mm. You know, this student, if you ask him, do you think God said, you say, well, absolutely, I have. And um, there's there's not much difference truly between that student who gives these reasons of his great intellect and the student who just says, my walk with God is so close that I know God told me this. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing we know that God told us is is inscripturated. It's 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 written down in, in the Bible and, and everything else – while I think that God does lead us in, in different ways, it, we take that with humility of saying, I, I need confirmation of others in the church in order for me to, to be sure. Right, right. You can look at the Apostle Paul and see after his conversion how um, he was proclaiming Christ, but uh, initially there was some pushback by the body of Christ because they weren't sure they trusted him. He had been one who had per- persecuted them. But ultimately, in Acts chapter 13, we see the confirmation of the church because the Holy Spirit indicated to the church there at Antioch, I believe it was, that uh, they should set aside Saul and Barnabas, at that point still Saul, um, for the work. And so it was a confirmation of the church, right, Rich? Mm -hmm. Uh, What Paul had already uh, sensed that the Lord was doing in his life and called him to, even communicated to him, the church confirmed yeah, you know, in in First Timothy four fourteen, um, uh, Timothy is is told by Paul, "Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you." And then in First Timothy five twenty two, uh, Paul says, "Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure." And there are other places where this idea of laying on of hands it's it isn't the need for an external confirmation to this particular kind of, mm-hmm. of ministry that uh, we're discussing. So let me see if we can do this with our discussion. Let's, let's take some of those things you guys are talking about. And, and there's a, a chapter in a book produced by the Master Seminary on pastoral ministry that, that talks about the call and they kind of lay out an acronym, CALL, C-A-L-L. There's the Confirmation, Abilities, Lifestyle, Longing, so that the first part of that is, and that's kind of something I walk with someone when they they tell me they feel potentially called to vocational ministry. How does God confirm a person's call? A person says, I, "I think I have this desire." God has to confirm that. Rich, you mentioned, and, and you guys mentioned the the way leadership confirms that call. What are other ways that God confirms a call in a person's life? Well, certainly there would be the aspect of fruitfulness in using giftedness, um, because if the church is to confirm, it's because they're seeing the use of that giftedness. And so you would see some fruit bearing from the use of uh, your gifts in ministry. Yeah, um, you know, when when I was uh, in high school, I began teaching some uh, Bible studies and and then uh, from there, I, I was asked to give some devotionals in front of the youth group, and once in front of the church. And and um, uh, you know, I, I was I was always surprised by different 
kinds of people would come up to me mm. unsolicited and just, you know, and both young peers as well as some older folks and, and talk about and tell me very directly, I think you have a gift. Now, I, I at the time didn't think I had a gift. I thought I just have uh, been asked to give a, a, a lesson and I'm going to do the best I have. I mm-hmm. don't know how I'm going to do it, but no one else is <laughs> – <laughs> no one else is in the queue, and so, so I'll, I'll do this. And I, I had no idea I had a gift until these uh, the people who were impacted by the teaching of Scripture um, shared with me, and it was a great encouragement. And that ultimately was the thing that led me to decide that God had called me into into ministry. It was other people that God used, and and particularly older people, although younger people also had a had an impact that way. But older people who, who came and out of the blue, I wasn't even thinking about vocational ministry where one says, I, I think God's caught, set you apart to be a pastor. Mm. And I was rather shocked by that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so so I do think that if, if a person believes they're called by God to, to be a pastor, for instance, um, and no one has ever told them, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea because I think you've really impacted my life the way I would hope a pastor would. Yeah. Then, then there, you know, there should be some a great level of doubt whether or not that is a God's calling. You know, there, there's, there's nothing that is worse than being in a ministry that God hasn't called you to, mm-hmm. and it, it's uh, mm-hmm. an invitation to, you know, really a, a potentially a wasted life. Um, that's why one of the reasons why it's so grave, as well as the impact you might have on others. I do appreciate that uh, that acronym. Is that what you call that? Yes. Uh, um, call confirmation. Abilities, ab- abilities, lifestyle. lifestyle, longing, especially where the lifestyle is concerned, because there could be in someone uh, some impediments, some barriers in their lifestyle uh, that is hindering the longing. Uh, for instance, we can, prior to uh, pursuing that call to ministry, be wedded to some comfort, uh, to maybe uh, a level of affluence and uh, and need to you know to clear that barrier out of the way and say okay can I be content with less and 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 then as you say yes to that question then you find yourself delighting yourself in the Lord Psalm thirty seven four and Him placing in you the God honoring desire to pursue perhaps full time vocational ministry. So in order for a group of elders to look at a person and and for that first part of the that acronym to confirm uh, to the degree that you guys were talking about, to be able to see their lifestyle, to be able to see their abilities. It, it implies that a person has been engaged in ministry already. Right. right? And right. so if a person comes and says, I really feel called to uh, missions in, in uh, Ecuador and they haven't been engaged in evangelism here. And they say, well, no, I, I haven't really, you know, I've been kind of busy but now I know what God wants me to do. Yeah, right. And the idea that suddenly they're going to be able to do what they haven't done here while speaking another language that they don't know, it just seems a little far-fetched, right? Right. So, so part of that confirmation process is 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 them engaging in ministry and seeing the fruits of an effective ministry like, like you were talking about whenever you were in high school. Yeah. So then, uh, there's also confirmation. I guess we would say circumstantially. If a, you know, sometimes circumstances will or won't work out. And I remember whenever I was coming on, I was interviewing to come on staff at, at Bethany Baptist. There was a, uh, a a church leader who really pushed hard 
to kind of challenge whether or not I should come to to Bethany Baptist or not. And he really wanted me to be able to give a a good answer to his question of whether or not I felt called. You know, because I want you, I want you to be a hundred percent certain that you are called to this ministry. I said, well, you know, part of that certainty is going to come from you guys saying that you feel like I'm called. You know, I don't, I don't want to be presumptuous here. And there's a circumstantial element to God's calling that that I don't want to shortchange as well. Right. Right. So, so what about uh, the A there? What about abilities? What what abilities does a person need to possess in order to to, to to be called to ministry? And have you guys seen examples of a person lacking in abilities that you've had to come alongside and say, hey, you know, um, yeah, this isn't, well, this isn't um, for you. Obviously, there's there's more than simply the the uh, the teaching ministry in pastoral ministry, and so whatever area that they're feeling inclined towards, you would like to see some uh, inclination towards, uh, for instance, if it was uh, uh, teaching, you'd like to see them to have at least the ability to study and to understand Scripture and then to convey it. Maybe they can't deliver it yet, but there's this basic ability to convey the message that isn't necessarily in the in the skill and excellence of oratory, but but, but where's the line? Is there a line there to where if and Spurgeon, I think would would I think he points out some people who had some some defects in their style of communication, even where he said, you know, I don't think this is your ministry because you'll drive people crazy. I mean, where's the? Is there a minimum line we say you need to be above this line? And how do we assess that? Yeah, and I don't know. I think it's going to be uh, different per individual, but you're going to see an ability and a desire to connect with your audience in some mm-hmm. way so that those idiosyncrasies don't overwhelm the, the message. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it goes back still to, to kind of my experience on, on that is that a person has to have some people who are connecting and who are benefiting. And um, so, in in response to your question, have you seen people who don't who lack the core competencies, uh, and who yet feel called? And the answer is absolutely yes. There, there are a lot of those. So there are many people who graduate from seminary. Think of that; they have three or four years of of graduate studies who are not pastors because because when they get out, they they lack the core competencies, and no one calls them to their pastor because it, the interviewing process. Uh, causes the congregation to say, I don't think we want this person to be our pastor. And that's kind of mm-hmm. sad that someone didn't tell them before they went to mm-hmm. seminary. It's on us. Let's, it's... let's make sure that you have some competencies here. Yeah. yeah. Well, least... and, and that goes back to the whole issue of a church confirming the calling. And, and oftentimes the church isn't real strong at that. I was in seminary with a lot of guys that didn't have the home church that I had that had confirmed my sense of calling. And so I felt really concern for them as they were finishing up whether or not they would find a ministry that they would minister in yeah or or churches are, are um s- simply uh find it difficult to say no to someone who has such a good desire it's a good desire to, to right. be a pastor or missionary it's a great desire and so well who am i you know oftentimes churches have the idea of, well who am i to to say that they might not be competent for that well you're the one that god has the church is the one that god's called to in that role to help this person and to help the kingdom. Right. And and Rich's uh, uh, dissertation kind of uh, reminds me that sometimes the uh, the coal 
from others outside of the person may precede the internal longing. But at some point then, uh, prior to entering the ministry, there needs to be an internal longing. There needs to be a uh, God causing you to will and to work according to his good pleasure, Philippians Mm 2.13, happening in that individual before they pursue that. Yeah. And so the the type of ministry that a person is considering probably also affects the type of abilities that we think that they need to have, right? So a person who feel calls to the, let's just use the, the type of ministry that we're in, a, a preaching ministry, there are some things that I generally look for in a person, and, and I try to be careful with this because I don't want to add extra biblical requirements mm. to the office of, of a teaching pastor or elder, but you know, if a person is not a, a person who enjoys to study or a person isn't a, a person who has the uh, ability to to take concepts and and understand them and understand the application of them. If a person is a person who can't uh, um, exercise or has struggles with with uh, exercising leadership, I mean those are things that again have to, you have to be careful with in terms of the level that you you set. Mm-hmm. But if a person doesn't have the intellectual ability or the ability to to process information, those things it, it could could be the best thing to say, hey, this isn't the type of ministry for you. Yeah, it is a difficult position. We want to take that position very humbly to, to be right. in a position of saying yes or no because right. there are many, many people who who may initially may not appear to have those That's competencies right. and That's actually right. do. Um, and so we, we, we want to be very slow to say, you know, I don't believe you have the competence competencies, but I, I think we want to give people opportunity to show those right. and patience then to develop those right. and to walk with them. And sometimes that takes, again, years of time to say, okay, instead of going to seminary this year, why don't you come and serve with the church and let us observe you and train you and instruct you and see if we can't confirm then these gifts before you invest all this time and money in, in uh, mm-hmm. um, preparation for a calling that you may not have. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to recognize, everyone has to recognize that that uh, our motivations for making various decisions are mixed. That's because we're fallen creatures still. And, and so uh, we can't always trust that our motivations are absolutely pure and that impure motivations may not have a part in, in some of our conclusions. And um, so humility demands us that we would we would we would at least acknowledge that about ourselves. So when you ask, well, what would be the motivations uh, that would cause a person to think that they're called when they may not be? Uh, what what are some motivations that may be there? Uh, and again, it's not necessarily conscious motivations, mm-hmm. but that that a person may be influenced that they're not even they're not even conscious that that that's part of it. Yeah, um, and it can be as simple as. Um, so appreciating the person who feeds them on a weekly basis, hmm. so admiring them that they want to be like that person and maybe not necessarily called to minister in that same way. But, uh, uh, you know, I went to a seminary where a lot of people came because they appreciated the president of the seminary. And uh, I don't know that that was the right motivation to go to seminary. Um so we can kind of do some, in in other words, hero worshiping, and that can be a call, uh, a wrong motive for mm-hmm. a call to ministry. Yep. Yeah, hero worship, um, idealization of the ministry. It seems sure. like such a such a great thing. 
uh, Spurgeon in, in that book talks about. And I think God intends a little of that because if we had known in advance what we were getting into, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Spurgeon talks about, so these are Spurgeon's words, not mine, but people who failed in other areas mm-hmm. of life say, you know, I didn't make it as a butcher, so I'd like to become a preacher. Right. Or I didn't make it as an engineer or a lawyer or whatever. And and that's not a good reason to go into right. ministry. So uh, as we think about the call to vocational ministry, we're, we're encouraging people to, to help have their leadership help them discern that call, to be engaged in ministry, see fruit from that ministry, and then have others confirm that ability as you have, or that, that calling as you think through your abilities, a lifestyle that matches the biblical requirements for a call to ministry, and a longing for yeah. the ministry. And maybe as we close, though, let's just, uh, uh, let's just, yeah, let me say that, hey, it is a, uh, a uh, worthy calling. So if there's someone out there that may have been discouraged to a measure by what we've said, uh, please understand that it's a blessing when God calls you to it to pursue. That's right. And our next time together, we'll talk about how to prepare for vocational ministry as, as God allows. Have a great day, and thanks for listening to Revive the Drive.